0: You can turn in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3. So with what I have been preaching on over the past several weeks, and with uh, what we've been going through on Wednesday nights, going through the book of James, we've actually finished up chapter 1 of the book of James this past Wednesday. I don't know if anybody... There was only a couple people here. I think Lois was here, Becky was here, and who else was here on Wednesday? Joseph got here late. I scolded him for being here late, but he was here. But we had very few people on Wednesday, and I hope that if you weren't here on Wednesday, or you don't normally come on Wednesday, that you would listen to the podcast Or the tape and and listen to what's going on on wednesdays now this past wednesday ended up being very different and i listened i was wondering how it was going to go over i listened to it and i was very happy with what i heard uh i think it uh you know you you plan you plan you study and you try to put something together but things happen Certain people need to hear, hear certain things. We have to be very willing to be led by the Spirit because we got to have a good base for some of the other things that we're doing. So if everybody's showing up, I've seen them for years in the church. We're, you know, we're studying other things, but if somebody new comes in, then it could change things up. Now, you may hear some things that I've already said, but that person may not, the new people that have come in. I'm going to share a couple verses, and we're going to start reading it out of John chapter 3. I've, there are certain things that have come up lately, certain things that I've talked about. One of them is the whole uh, pig and the cat thing that Charles Spurgeon talked about. And there's a verse that I, every time I talk about that story, I should be quoting this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? And that's a verse that I know so well But I forget that not everybody knows that verse. And it's something that I should say. I should quote that verse every time we talk about that story. And also, make sure that you understand. I, I think I read this last week. This is 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Because that whole context of that is, is there's scoffers who will come that will say, where is his coming? You've been saying this for how long? And, but he's, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us Word. This is the most important part. Listen very carefully. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you hear that? Another verse. this, This goes along with what I've been saying. Little hints. I don't come right out and say certain things, but I just want people to hear the word and I make little hints that certain people are going to pick up on, but it's not for everybody because most everybody don't, they're not in a debate over uh, doctrine. They're not in a debate over what that particular uh, denomination believes over what this denomination over here believes. Most of you are not concerned about those things, but there are people, a few people, that would listen to the podcast that might need to understand certain things. So, that's why I'm reading this verse. This is Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Did you hear that? Paul is talking to Timothy... Paul is saying, he's talking about all these different things, and I would suggest going to 2 Timothy uh, today, whenever you do your Bible reading, and read 2 Timothy. Read all of 2 Timothy, but this is chapter 2. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, I'm not going to go into explaining that, but elect's sake, that the elect may also obtain salvation. That's, that's for people who aren't even sitting here in this service today. there's that for people who will listen to the podcast, and that's a very important verse. I hope they get it. Now, John chapter 3 starting with verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus has showed up to Jesus, and he's called him rabbi, and he is basically checking Jesus out to find out who he might say he is. Uh, He's like, you're a teacher. It's pretty amazing the things you're doing, and it looks to me like God would would have to be behind this, and Jesus knows what he's after. Nicodemus, he's probably uh, going to answer some questions of some other people, and he's part of that wanting to know. But what does Jesus do? Jesus actually goes right past what Nicodemus is wanting, and he's going to show him what he needs. Nicodemus came with a purpose of... He he had a want. He he was curious as to who Jesus really was. And Jesus went... He just ignored what he wanted, what Nicodemus wanted, and he went right to what Nicodemus really needed. And he he says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, up here in verse 3, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now he's saying, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, in the, uh, in the book of James, on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about how every person has got this propensity for uh, wanting things that are not right. You know, this, this some people call it... Uh, A sinful nature. Uh, Some people will just say it's just our Adam nature. There's different ways you can say it, but we as human beings, and I explained it in great detail on Wednesday, that's why I would love for everybody to have listened to that because this would make so much more sense if you heard what happened on Wednesday talking about the three things that we're up against, which is the world, our flesh, and the devil. And I went into great detail on that. Well, when our sinful lust meet up with temptations and, and we actually let a conception happen, see, we have bad thoughts. Well, that, you can't count that as sin because it's just a thought. It's when we follow through on things is when the sin actually happens. So there's a conception that happens. Well, there's also a conception that happens to be born again. You have the water, which is probably referring to the Word of God. You can walk up to somebody out on the street and say, you need to be born again, you need to be saved, how about it? They might go, okay, sounds great to me, let's get this done. What are they believing? You have to have something to believe. I want you to think about all the places throughout the Bible where someone had a conversion experience. I want you to think about the Ethiopian eunuch. The Holy Spirit was working, so the Holy Spirit has to go and prepare and then someone else has to come along and plant the seed, right? There has to be two things that one, one the Holy Spirit's got to make ready, and then someone has to come along and speak the Word of God. And when those two come together, there's a conception, and a person can be born again and enter into the kingdom of God. The Ethiopian eunuch had been to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit had had been working on him. He wanted to go there. He was looking for something, and when he was going back on his chariot, he had the Bible opened up to Isaiah, and he was reading about Jesus being led to the slaughter. He's reading it, and he wasn't sure exactly who it was talking about. And then Philip shows up, and they get together on that chariot, and Philip explains it to him, and he there's a conception that happens, and then the Ethiopian eunuch was born again. If you look at all the stories throughout the Bible, that's what will happen. You will have the Holy Spirit that does his part, and then somebody, somehow, some way, has got to get the word to them. That's why the word of God is attacked so much. Because it, the Word of God, for, this is, this is another verse, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So, this water, you're born of water, okay, that could mean that it's just the Word of God that you're being washed with. And then, the Spirit, born of water and of the Spirit. So those those two things come together. Also, because of the next verse, this water could represent something else. Uh, And I believe it's it's two-part. Verse 6 That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you, salvation is only for mankind. A fallen angel, no salvation for them. But salvation is for those who are born of women. So if you're born of water, the whole birthing process, being forced out by hydraulic pressure, the water, boom, you know, the baby comes forth. It could mean that because the born-again experience is only for mankind. Jesus was explaining this. He had come down and he became a man. Now, something else to think about. Flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. There's a miraculous thing that has to happen. I just read the verse to you out of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You must become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Think, listen to this. Most people get it all wrong, right? Think about the peop- all the people that come to church trying to fix themselves. They're, and most people who go to church think that evolution is ridiculous, right? Right? When we're talking about creation, evolution is ridiculous. Well, it's just as ridiculous to try to take your flesh and to evolve your flesh into something spiritual. Does that make sense? Don't try to transition from flesh to spirit. Don't try to evolve. The old has to be done away with completely. The flesh is always going to be flesh. The flesh produces other flesh. The spirit produces spirit. So the old man must be crucified and done away with, then you can be spiritual. That's why you must be born again. Seven, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? See, he was one of the wise. He was one of the ones that were very, very educated. He was a Pharisee. He knew all the law but yet he missed this very important thing, which was by design. That was God's divine design that the smart people, the people who knew the most, would miss it, and the people who didn't know anything would be more willing to accept what Jesus brought with this New Testament time. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now that would blow you away. Just think about Jesus looking at Nicodemus, and he's pointing... And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. God's everywhere, right? He is down on earth. He's up in heaven. He's, he's, Jesus was, in the beginning, was with God and was God. Now, here's... here's uh, we're going to, I'm going to read a couple more verses, and then we're going, to move, we're going to jump back to the Old Testament. Y'all be ready to turn to Numbers. But listen to this before you start doing that. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. It says, whosoever. Does that mean just a select few? You know, I already read that verse. Uh, I read it earlier. I said, uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, whosoever. And then I read uh, the verse that said, uh, even for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain salvation. So, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, now we're at something that uh, Nicodemus would know very, very well. Jesus just, showed, just mentioned something to him that he would know extremely well. And that's Moses making that brass serpent. And just not that long ago, I was talking about how uh, the nation of Israel made an idol out of that brass serpent. And almost 800 years later, they still had it, and they were burning incense to it. They were worshiping a brass serpent. Almost 800 years later, and Hezekiah went in and started tearing down these different things, and he found that, and he broke it into pieces. And God was very happy that he did it. Remember, Hezekiah was the one who was instructed that he was going to die, and then he prayed that God wouldn't kill him yet, and God gave him another 15 years. Now, some will say Hezekiah probably should have died when he was first told because two years after was born one of the most evil kings to ever rule over Israel his son, Manasseh. A horrible king. If Hezekiah would have died when God said you're going to die, that son would not have been born. But yet he prayed that God would extend his life. He extended it for 15 years. So I think, uh, I think Manasseh was like 12 or 13 when he started to reign, do the math. And so, just because... You get what you want doesn't mean it was the best, but God listens to your prayers. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that God would listen to your prayers? But if you think everything's already predetermined, then why pray? Now, we are to pray God's will, but if you were told that every single thing is already preplanned and done, it makes no sense for you to pray, does it? We are told to pray, and we are given all kinds of examples throughout the Bible that when people prayed, God did things. When people went out and sang that God destroyed their enemies for them, but not until they sang. We have all kinds of places in the Bible that instruct us to do something, not just sit around and believe. Just sit around and believe and everything's going to be okay. We have to take our part. All kinds of stories, all kinds of examples. The, the, the talents. What did the one get five, the other get two or something like that and the one got one? The, the guy who got one they got the one, did he go out and spend it on something horrible? Do anything evil with it? He just did nothing with it so to do nothing God hates that for you to know better and just to sit around and not do anything seems to be worse than going out and doing something bad neither hot nor cold just doing nothing all right numbers turn back to numbers you know John Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth book over into the new. Numbers, is that the fourth book over? In the, new, in the old. I don't know if that means anything, but that just happens to be. So keep your place over here in, uh, in John 3. Don't lose that place. And go over to 21, starting with verse 4. This is the story of that brass serpent. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It was hard. They had just gotten an amazing victory that they all should have been excited about, but yet they were discouraged because it wasn't the best way to go. Could have went an easier way. And the people spake against God and against Moses Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread. They're not very appreciative of the manna, are they? Neither is there any water. They're not very appreciative of the rock being struck and all the water gushing out of it. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, the first part of this, what you're seeing, is the people's sin. What was their sin? They were sinning against God. They were sinning against his servant Moses, and they were sinning in that they were against his provision, what he had done for them, in manna, water, water, he has taken care of them. Even a cloud by day to keep them out of the scorching sun and a light at, the, at night so they can see where they were going. And they were complaining. And God got God must punish sin. What was their condition? They were bitten by fiery serpents. So the poison of the serpents were in them and much people died. What's our condition? Our fearful condition is that we are bitten by sin. There is sin in us and it's killing us. And many will die and go to hell because of it. Many will. Just like many died when they were bitten by these fiery serpents, many people will die and go to hell forever. But, verse 7, Therefore the people came unto, or came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord. Why pray? He's already predetermined that every single one of you are going to die. No? And pray. He has not predetermined that every single one of you are going to die. If you don't do what's said, you're going to die. That's predetermined. But he said, pray and they, they they said, pray unto the Lord and that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. All right. So there was confession. They said, we have sinned. Each and every one of us need to confess that that we're sinners and that we are bit by sin and it is killing us and that we need God to fix it. God needs to show us a way. And their cry was, take away these fiery serpents. We need God to take away our sins. Right? And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Really? The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. This is, this is, this is weird. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, the Gideon. I can't remember if that was last Sunday. But we were just talking about Gideon and how he got the word from the Lord how to defeat Jericho. Maybe that was Wednesday night. It was a crazy plan. You know, I, I have people who have called me, one particular person that used to call me all the time and ask me questions about building or plumbing or whatever, and they would ask these questions, and then I would say, well, you do this, this, and this, and they always would say, well, that's what I was thinking, I just wanted to make sure. All right? Did Gideon, after he got the word from God, that this is how you're going to take Jericho walking around the city did and when all that was done did he say well that's kind of what I was thinking but but thanks for clearing it up yeah I, I, there's no way in the world he would have said that's what I was thinking the way god comes up with things and his plans are so different than what we would think that we could never take credit for Gideon could never after the walls fell down go yeah I was kind of thinking the same thing that's what we should do huh I meet mean, Joshua, I'm sorry. I got, I got mixed up. Thank you very much. That's exactly what I need. So it was Joshua who was walking around the walls of Jericho. Uh, I was listening to Gideon and him uh, going up against the, uh, the Midianites and the barley cake and all that stuff and how he had all those men. He had a, like 32,000 men. And God said, that's way too many. And he's like, what? And he got down to like 300 and all that story. He said, that was fresh in my mind. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. That's when I say pay very close attention because I will get off on things that I had, they're not in my notes. I have no intention of saying, but they pop into my head. And I need people who know the Bible that will catch me on something like that. So Joshua is who I'm talking about. Joshua, he would have said, he would have never have said, yeah, I was was thinking that was the way we should do it. Nobody in their right mind would have ever come up with that way of taking Jericho. No way. All right, now, so this story If I'm going to go back to John, and I'm going to read that one verse all over again, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And God says, back over here in uh, Numbers 21, He said, when you looketh upon it, what? Just look at it. Just look at it, and you'll be, and you'll live. You'll be, it, it, you shall live? Write this verse down. Isaiah 45, verse 22. The way of salvation, way back in Isaiah. All right, Isaiah 45, 22 says, listen carefully, Look unto me, and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth... For I am God, and there is none else. That's the verse that convicted the heart of Charles Spurgeon when he was a teenager. Grew up in a church family, was part of a church his whole life since he was born, and was very miserable because he didn't understand true salvation. He thought being in the church, being a preacher's son, all that stuff was was he was automatically saved and he got to the point in his life where he had reached the age of accountability. Are y'all hearing me? He reached the age of accountability, and he was miserable because he really didn't have true salvation. And it was that snowstorm that he had to get out of because they didn't have the weather channel. They didn't know how bad it was going to be. And he's walking to church because nothing's going to stop him from getting to church except for this storm. And he turns and he gets into a place where he's going to get frozen to death, get caught up in this blizzard. So he goes into this old primitive Methodist church and he's a, he's a good old Baptist and he's, he's coming into this church and the preacher couldn't show up there because of the storm and, and a shoemaker gets up out of, the, out of the congregation of the few that showed up and felt like he needed to do something because he wasn't going to just sit there and be a hear of the word. He wanted to be a doer of the word also. He came up and he... Uh, he just opened his Bible up to Isaiah 45, and that's what he preached on. He was was just reading all of it, and when he got to that part, he looked over at this young guy standing over there, and he said, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. And Spurgeon was born again right there. He's born again. What's this telling us here? The nation of Israel, they're sinning against God, they're sinning against Moses, and they uh, are bitten by these fiery serpents and they're dying. And Moses, in haste, he makes this brass serpent, he puts it on a pole and he lifts it up in the air, and he has people run around with the message from God that turn and look at that and you'll live. How is looking at a brass serpent? The brass serpent is what's causing me all of this pain and death and you want me to look at it well sin is what we're asking God to take away from us Jesus was put up on a pole and we are instructed to look at him there is all of our sin is all over him our sin is on Him. why look at our sin on Jesus that's what we want to get rid of how is somebody dying gonna make us live that makes no sense but you got to look at him it takes sin to get all of our sin put on jesus gets rid of our sin forest fire coming across the mountain they'll go up and start another fire out in front of it and burn it all up what are you doing we're trying to put the fire out why are you starting one because we're fighting fire with fire seems counterproductive to start with but it works really really well people will say like like handling a bully. A bully's mean, wanting to beat you up all the time. What's the cure? Beat them up. Well, well, you're just in, uh, encouraging violence, and, and, and that's the very thing that you shouldn't do, and all you gotta do is hit them one time and they'd never bother you again. If you want to not go to war, you better be a nation that is very, very strong and ready to go to war. Right? Look the easiest possible thing you could do. Just turn and look at Jesus, hang on. All your sins are on him. Look at him. Look. Unto me, the greatest possible person, Jesus, and be ye saved, the greatest possible blessing, all the ends of the earth, the greatest possible number, all ends of the earth. Not just a select few places. Not just the nation of Israel. They were the elect of God. Not all of them were saved. God's elect needed Jesus Christ to be saved. Anybody who says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the elect. God already picked me to be saved before the foundations of the world. Really. My Bible says, all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3:20. That's what my Bible says. And you think you're something special because you're one of God's elect? Well, even for the elect's sake, Paul endures everything so that maybe they can even be saved. For the last part of that verse, "For I am God, the greatest possible authority." Lift it up a look in faith, or a look of faith, and they lived. Think of all the different ways people try to justify why they are saved and going to heaven. Well, I do this and I do that. I'm better than them. I do, all these things that you could say, You could th- these people back then, they could have said, well, that's not part of my religion. I don't look at uh, snakes on a pole. Well, they would have died and been done for. Sounded good, but the Word of God for right now was for Moses to put that serpent on a, on a pole and to tell everybody just to look at it. Just to look at it. You, can, you cannot brag about anything on that, except I did look. I looked, and they would have lived. All right, we're getting close. Was that an eight? And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All right, back over to John 3, and we'll finish it up here in just a couple minutes. The greatest verse. This verse everybody knows. If you ask somebody who doesn't never, they don't even go to church, they never read their bibles and you ask them what's your favorite verse they'll tell you John 3:16. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If begotten is not in your translation, your particular version of the bible, if you are reading it out of a bible and it doesn't say only begotten, you need to find one that says only begotten son that whosoever, see that word, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, Now, here's the next part. Really important you get this. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You're already condemned. You're not in the middle waiting for the day that you'll either be picked to not be or to be. Uh, if If you're living your life right now and you think you're in a neutral place, you're neither... Uh, hell-bound or heaven-bound, it's impossible to be there. You're one or the other. And if you believe not, you are already condemned because you're already snake-bitten. The sin's already in you. And the Word that has come through the Word of God, Moses wrote down the Word, He was there, he he got the word from God. Well, we have a whole lot of other people, not just Moses, but we have John, who's got the word, and he's written it down for you, like Matthew and Mark and Luke, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Jude, James, all these people got the word of God, and John, Jesus himself, is telling. This story to Nicodemus, John has recorded it to us, and Jesus said, you must, just like the nation of Israel had to look up on that brazen serpent, you likewise must look at Jesus hanging on the cross. And if you believe, then you will not be condemned. But if you don't, you're condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending Jesus. Father, we thank You for His words that are here in the Gospels. Father, we thank You for those who are willing to take Your Word out. Father, we need to be Your servants Father, we need to be part of your plan. Father, you don't need any of us, but you want us all. Father, you could do everything on your own. You could make everything happen, but Father, you gave up the control so that you can have relationship with each and every one of us. Father, I don't know how, I don't understand it completely, but Father, for some reason, You have given us a free will. And Father, there are those who believe and that will look to You hanging on a cross. Father, there are those who do not look and they reject. But Father, we are instructed to pray for those people. Father, we are instructed to go after them pulling them out of the fire. Father, we are to continue to preach your word, to live it, to be an example for you. Father, we are able as human beings to walk away from you. Father, I pray that we would be people who would turn to you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.